If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode eight of Accelerator Light on the Australian Business Podcast. We are now in the back end of our 10-week bootcamp, and in this free 10-week program, we'll give you all the tools and resources to help you maximize the opportunity right in front of you. My name is Daniel. Together with Owen and Jordan, we have over 20 years of collective experience running, researching, investing in, and advising private businesses. Please note, this is the light version so it may seem incomplete. If you're enjoying these, you should check out our full business accelerator. You can use the I'm Pretty Cute link in your podcast player to sign up today. We have our very own Jordan Kittis calling everyone who registers and he will give you a taste of what's available inside the full online program and community. If you're a business owner, you should become a full member while you have a chance to join us at a discounted rate. This discount will be ending soon. Chances are you can pay for the coaching and accelerator program through your business and it's likely tax deductible. So as an accountant, I've been quite fortunate. I started my career quite young as a teenager in my first year of uni in an undergraduate position. So I call it a junior accountant. And, you know, leading into that, I always had so much respect and admiration for small business owners. And, you know, in fact, I still do. Um, obviously. And part of that probably because, you know, my, my dad was a small business owner and everyone around you that seemed successful at the time just happened to be small business owners. So there was always a a link, I suppose, to me and, and small business. Um, and I just still love doing what I do. But I still remember I used to think that business owners had such a strong idea of their financial situations whether it was, you know, budgeted revenue, planned expenditure, and even sort of like understanding margins and how much money they're making on everything. So 
having that and then going into a junior accounting position where you start with the low-level clients, right? You, you work on the micro businesses, maybe the not-so-successful ones, and you start making your way through as you start getting better and better. So my first couple of years in the industry, I noticed that there were so many business owners who were just confused and scared to even look or even want to understand their numbers. And there was a slight correlation between the length of time that they had been operating as well. So, you know, these business owners that are pre-software that had been doing it for a long, long time, they didn't even want to know. They had no idea from a financial perspective and their success was tracked in their bank account, really. Um, so it was quite crazy for me to go from this sort of really top, you know, admiration of people to almost getting the, the reality check of, hey, they don't actually know what's going on as a whole. And a lot of these business owners, they're, they're making just enough money to almost justify having a business. They had more created, you know, flexible jobs rather than businesses. And, you know, we talk about that a lot on the podcast and how important it is to transition from that technician to business owner phase. And I still think it's a fairly new concept. Um, and it's great that we're finally being able to, you know, talk about it freely. But, you know, naturally, as you progress your, you know, accounting career, call it, I did come across a few business owners who they just got it. It was, you know, amazing conversations. They knew their key figures. They knew what their unit economics were. They had spreadsheets for it. And they were able to engage in such meaningful conversations directly about their financials. I loved working with these people. I thrived, you know, running their business with them as to a degree. Um, and as a young professional, I learned so much from them. And in saying that, I'm not saying the only way to be successful is for you to know your financials inside out like an accountant, but I just noticed a correlation of success and understanding the key figures. You don't need to know it like me. You don't need to know it like Jordan, but understand how you generate your money, where it comes from, what margins you need to be hitting to be hitting your targets, I suppose, and setting those targets is important. So if you feel like you're one of those business owners who either avoid looking, then hopefully I can you know, give you some golden nuggets that I can give you a little bit of a motivation to look, to understand, and maybe to use some of the things from today's episode to set some goals and continue hitting your goals as well. So today I'm going to run you through more the basics, otherwise we'd be here for a while, about the reports that we as accountants look at and what you as a business owner can get out of it. So in this episode, I'll be covering financial statements. It's how to read, understand, and use them to your advantage. I've broken it into three key parts. Number one was reading the profit and loss. Number two is understanding the balance sheet. And three, using them to your advantage. So a little disclaimer here before I start. If you're a business and you have no method of tracking your figures, whether it's you know a simple spreadsheet going through your P&Ls for a micro business or an accounting software like Zero MYB, then your first step should be to set that up. You know I, th I think they cost between fifty and call it a hundred dollars a month these accounting softwares. Once you're you know taking it properly, I think you need it from the very beginning. I think it's the best investment you can make and properly understand how you know money is tracked. Because um, I think a big misconception is people price or think they're pricing or think they're making money along the way. 
but you fail to realize that these reports that we look at, they look at time, they don't look at projects. So you might have this fantastic project that you're working on, you've got a few you know, claims or progress payments or you're waiting on you know, certain points of a project to, hit, to send an invoice. So when we look at it, your financials probably look terrible. You know it slightly better. So I think that's where it's almost important to have a linkage between what is actually happening in your business to what the financial statements are saying. So the profit and loss is quite simple. So what we're doing here is we're tracking performance. It's your income versus your expenses. So this will show us our gross revenue. It'll give us a breakdown of our cost of sales or our direct costs. It'll show us our gross profit. It'll give us our operating expenses or as the finance world loves to call it, OPEX. And we'll see what our net profits are. So let's sort of get cracking into all the parts. And even though the contents of these categories will differ from business to business, these are all really, really important for any business, regardless of size and industry. So gross revenue, we call this the top line. It literally sits at the top of the report. So this tells you, you know, all the money you've generated. It's a great opportunity to break down your income streams. So for an accounting firm, for example, we can have a split between tax returns, between annual accounts, buses, advisory services, etc. A plumber, on the other hand, who's, you know, completely different line of work to us, and I know we've been throwing plumbers under the, the pump here with examples. Um, I think I did it with modeling and Owen did it with operations. But they could split their works into, for example, residential maintenance versus residential project work versus commercial works and you know other service lines, whatever they're offering. So it's a really good it's a really good tool to use to break down where the money is coming from. So what could be one of the benefits of it? One, to track the growth in different revenue streams. So if you're focusing on marketing for, let's say, a plumber in the residential maintenance space, you can see if there's been a growth in revenue, not just relying on a gross big figure. So point two would be to identify the larger departments. Where should you focus your resources? And thirdly, maybe areas to work on. Is there a line of work that you could be focusing a little bit more on and you could be making more money out of it? So the next part of our PL goes down to the cost of sales. So this gets harder to track and it, it is quite important. So having, you know, a good bookkeeper or yourself really understanding it or a good accountant is, you know, quite important. So this will also differ from industry to industry. So I'll use us as an accounting firm for an example. For us, our, our direct cost would be wages for the accountants and bookkeepers that we have, as well as some software costs. But for a plumber, it'll be the cost of materials, the installation wages, not your office wages, maybe some contractor fees, some minor tools, um, some fixtures that, that you may have needed to come across, some you know waste removal, um, and even the motor vehicle cost to travel between you know sites if you're a maintenance guy. So the the cost of sales will look very very different for, for example, us as a professional services firm versus a tradesperson. So that's where it's important to have a really good understanding of what should go into what category. So the reason I, th I actually think this is one of the most important components of the profit and loss because this will start to generate where your gross profit will come from. So our gross profit is the amount of money we're making from 
the revenue, less all the costs that are directly associated to it. So these costs are generally variable to a degree that change based on the amount of projects you're doing or the efficiencies or you know errors that are potentially occurring. So we're really getting a good understanding of our gross profit. So there are, as you grow, it'll obviously be harder and harder to track because your transactions will start to increase. So this is where getting subscriptions like ServiceMate and, and stuff like that to help with the job costing and ensure the accurate tracking is really, really important. And I think it's something that I would like to focus in our full accelerator as well and, and teach what to what to include, what not to include, and I suppose the benefits of doing so. So now moving on, we've now gotten our top line. We've got our cost of sales or direct costs, and now we've got our gross profit. So this is simply gross revenue less direct costs. I love to use a percentage with this. I think it's a really, really good way to see progress once you're scaling as well. So let's say if your revenue is increasing by multiples of, you know, 100%, 120%, it's so important to keep track of our gross profit. Because if our profit keeps decreasing, then maybe scaling is not working, we're spending too much money. Or maybe it's part of the process. So getting that percentage is super important from a decision-making perspective because, well, is this scaling profitable? Is the, is the expenditure temporary whilst we're hitting to, to getting to certain thresholds? Are we not as efficient because we're still winning the work whilst we're sort of scaling? And it's so important um, in the grand scheme of things from a decision-making. So when I say key figures, your gross profit as a percentage is one of the, one of the top ones that I'd be talking about. Um, decision-making is so crucial from there. So the next one is our OPEX. This is our boring one. So this is things like rent, accounting fees, you know, your office wages, office supplies, you know, maybe some of the the interest on your finance, you know, facilities. And again, it's so important to have a percentage to this because we want OPEX to be decreasing as we scale. And the reason I say that is unless there's a major change, so let's say, for example, you increased your facility, um, when, when I say facility, I'm, I'm referring to your lease, and you've got in a bigger space, so the rents are more expensive. Things like that are justifiable. But if all else remains the same, your operating expenses should be decreasing because they're being split over a larger turnover. So tracking this again is so important. Are you overspending in your operating expenses? So again, it is used as a tracking mechanism for expenditure. Right, and then going back down to the bottom. So it'll be our gross profit less our operating expenses gives us our net profit. Again, percentages are a king here. We, we want them, we wanna use them. They're, they are the key things that we're looking for. And we're looking for large movements or discrepancies between prior periods. So, and you should be using them to, you know, as targets more than anything else as well. So if you know you've been able to hit a certain percentage for the last call at 12 months or the last, you know, call it three quarters, nine months, then you should be almost aiming to improve them going forward. They should be the targets we're using. You know, it could be an increase of 30% in revenue. It could be a corresponding increase of 30% to gross profit. Let's say we don't want to incur additional costs to, to get the extra revenue, but our operating expenses might be slightly higher because let's say there was advertising that you had to factor in. So, 
as you can see, like the more I talk about it, the more there's a story behind the financials. It's not just a set of numbers that you see on a page. So I think isolating them and using them in categories rather than reading every single number on the page, that's important. Percentages just help with that as well. So moving on to our balance sheet. So this is where we go through you know, our current assets, our non-current assets, our current liabilities, and our non-current liabilities. So things that fall into current assets, they're your accounts receivable. So this is money you're owed. This is our money in the bank. We refer it to cash in bank. A lot of people get confused, think we're physically talking about stashes of cash. No, in accounting terms, cash in bank is literally your bank balance. We'll have your inventory here, maybe some short terms that you've sort of paid out to another entity, for example. Then our non-current assets are our, call it long-term assets. These are our motor vehicles, maybe some equipment. Um, Anything depreciable will always sit in a non-current asset category. These are long-term loans, um, potentially investments if you're holding onto them in, in an entity, they will sit into here. You know, moving to our current liabilities, that's where we'll have our, call it like our tax liability sitting as well. You'll see like a GST component. This is what GST you owe at a certain point in time. Pays go withholding. It's pays go withholding you owe at a certain time. And some short loans in. There might be some accounts payable here. So if you've got some bills that we're, we're tracking on accruals basis that we haven't yet paid, but they have been, call it, you've, you've received the invoice to pay it, that's where it will sit as a current liability. Non-current liabilities are, your long-term finance facilities or long-term loans that are coming in. That's generally the the key parts that sit in that non-current liability component. You've got to remember current is less than 12 months. So for example, if you're collecting money less than 12 months, it'll be a current asset, accounts receivable. If you have a call it long-term asset, which is a great example of a motor vehicle, you're probably not going to you know, get rid of it or you know, use it in full in the short term, it'll sit in our non-current assets, vice versa for liabilities. So if you notice something from an expenditure point of view missing from your profit and loss, it's probably in your balance sheet, like your vehicle or you know, big fit outs. It's not gonna tell you you're making a loss in the profit and loss, it will be sitting in the balance sheet. And we need to remember that the bank balance is not an indication of success. So that's where knowing what those categories are on balance sheet are super important as well. Because even if your balance is quite low because you've had to make an investment in some in some way, shape or form, it doesn't mean that you're not going to, you're not profitable, you're not successful or you're not you know hitting targets. So don't use your bank balance as an indication. And I had a real, I always get this question, but it's why am I paying tax on an accruals basis as a business when I'm paying tax on money I haven't received, meaning that, you know, the accounts receivable balance. And the best way to say it is we need to be reporting income as you earn it. And beyond that, you don't pay tax on that day, right? Most of our accounts receivable were received in zero to 30 and worst case scenario, zero to 60 days. Your tax return isn't due 30 or 60 days after the, the period has ended. Your tax return is due well after that, you know, October for self-lodgers and May for people using the tax agent system. So by the time you get to that point in time, you should have received your money. 
So you're not really paying tax on money you haven't earned because you have earned it. So that's a slight misconception there as well and a big confusion that a lot of clients get. So a bit of clarity there if you have more questions jump onto the business accelerator and I'll be there answering everything and anything that you need. And the final part of this, it's a little check that, you know, you can do right now, you know, if you've got your zero handy. Um, I think it's a really good tool, really simple, and it'll start getting you familiar with your, your financials, more your profit and loss here. So what I'll get you to do is export a CSV file of your profit and loss. You can quickly Google that if you don't know how to do it but there is plenty of support for both Zero and MIB. So export a CSV, work out the period that you wanna assess. It might be, let's say, we've got December BAS that was recently due. It might be a December period, um, and you wanna compare it to the last three or four quarters from a performance point of view. So export it, export the comparative periods if you like, or we can just focus on the first one, it's up to you. So format it quickly, so just make sure your headings and your amounts are clear, nothing's hidden. Um, and we'll move on and we'll use almost a traffic light system, right? And I want you to do an Excel. So we'll starting from the top, going to the bottom. As, again, I just want to stress that use a completed period, right? Don't use a halfway period. Don't use the month of, you know, February, for example, and you haven't done any coding in February. Use a period that's fully allocated so you've got accurate data. If you're not sure, ask your accountant for guidance but you should generally know. If you've lodged your BAS for that quarter, it should be more or less accurate and up to date. So I want you to start working through every line item, right? And I just want you to, from an easy point of view, go green is good, orange is expected or immaterial, and red is did not meet expectation or needs attention, right? So, and starting from the top, it could be income, you know, number one, it could be, oh, wow, that was, more than I thought. Okay, cool, let's do green. Next line, okay, this was not what I expected. Um, this is red, this is bad, I need to work on this. And the third one might be, okay, we made $2,000 doing you know, scrap metal. This is immaterial, it can go orange. And start working through your key items, right? Don't stress about it too much at the time. Keep it nice and lighthearted to begin with. Because what we're trying to do here is just identify one, what we do well to give ourselves a bit of praise. Number two, we need to identify what we're doing bad. So these are the things we work on, right? These are the things, the bigger the number or the bigger the impact, put them first. Let's tackle it. Let's get an understanding as to why you're not making the money that you're making, why your gross profit is lower than you think. And this should be a part of your strategy process where you're identifying areas to work on. And I think that's where a lot of the businesses that almost get stuck with scale experience where they don't really know where they need the assistance. So doing it like this will give you a really good understanding of areas of focus. It might be efficiencies with wages. Your, your wage expense might be way too high. Again, use a percentage if you like. You know, if you continually scale, it's hard to compare periods percentages are your go-to, use them, they're, they're there to help. And if you're still not sure, run this exercise, just give it a go. And then you can always compare it to, obviously the prime periods, but sit down with an accountant. It might be a little fee, but I think it's worthwhile, especially if you don't really have that understanding. It might be a small investment for you to start 
having an opportunity to ask the right questions, right? So even it's like, okay, I didn't hit target. I thought I was making way more. Why? Cost of, cost of sales, I overspent. Why? What project? You know, so really, really good tool to be running with. So once you've done this exercise, you've got the spreadsheet going, I then want you to start creating these percentages. So it's turnover growth, cost of sales to turnover as a percentage, our gross profit as a percentage, our operating expenses as a percentage. And then I also want you to find your key expense items that you should have a metric for. So for example, an accountant could be wages, like such labor. For an e-commerce business, it might be your advertising expenditure. So find a key item that's really crucial to you and your business and start using percentages as a comparative point. But more importantly, as a target point going forward. So when you do your strategy sessions, when you're going through setting goals, use percentages, right? So hopefully, you know, you've done it, one, and two, start getting a better understanding of your own figures. And I want you to ask for help. You know, this is partially why we've got the accelerator as well. It's so that people can reach out. They can't, they can ask questions. We've got, you know, obviously myself and Jordan who are accountants. We know these numbers very, very well. And we've got Owen, who's an experienced business owner. He's seen it and he gets it. Mr. Finance himself. So again, thank you for joining me today. I hope you learned a few things and got a little bit of motivation to start looking into reading and understanding your financials. And we will be diving into this so much deeper in the full accelerator. I'll be doing presentations. We'll be running through other people's potentially. And I want direct questions as well. And I'd be happy to, to jump in and, and give, my, give my opinion. So if you found this slide episode useful, you should use the I'm Pretty Cute link in your podcast player to sign up to our full business accelerator. You can connect with us, ask questions, share ideas, and more. Again, in summary from today, we ran through the profit and loss, we ran through the balance sheet, and then at the end there, we ran through a little check that you can do using the traffic light system on your own profit and loss. So the Accelerator is a full online program that will take your business to the next level by offering weekly group coaching, marketing templates, structuring templates, the latest intact strategies, downloads, videos, PDFs, and a business knowledge bank networking, and so much more. Coming up next episode is Owen. He'll be covering scaling. Don't forget, we air episodes every week. And after our accelerator is launched, we'll be back to regular programming. See you in the next episode. Thank you.